John and Carmen walk into a bar called Life. There are six non-gender specific people at the counter. The first one says, what brought you here? Ah, uh, we're curious. The second one says, where did you come from? Outside! Who is out there? E everyone bro, we're all outsiders in one way or another. When did you decide to leave there and come here? This moment, because that's all that matters. How do outsiders get in? Uh, oh, well that's easy, just ask your friend. Ask, ask why? Miss Popcorn is losing faith. Why? Because as always, she's reading the signs of the times right now and she says we're in an age of narcissism. Men are threatened by their own achievements and we're accelerating ourselves into a dangerous future. But it's not all bad because this existential crisis of peacocks is forcing reflection and fluidity. So a sense of gender community may not be the key anymore. Guess what is fluidity? fight the urge to make the bad joke. She says we must drive macro change by starting with one child. You each take one child because her first child saved her. Child gave her her heart back. So this is her side gig now. One child at a time because kids get it, they get love, they get kindness and they get care and they teach us. But that was quite cool. She said that AI is an extension of us so we have to scrub ourselves and make sure that AI is scrubbed as well. Government should insist on clear AI the way we insist on clear air and clear water. She says that seeing the future isn't that hard. It just takes thought if you're smart. What you then need to do is come back to the present and start looking for signs and signals to confirm that what you think is going to happen is happening. She joked then that she has abandonment issues and like a pair of empathy bloodhounds, we sniffed out her past. Something she says she's never been asked about and is completely stumped by Carmen's brilliant question, Go sister! Faith Popcorn is a little girl ripped from her beloved Jewish New Yorker Bubba and Zeta and deposited in a Catholic convent in Hong Kong by her CIA dad. We're not surprised that she morphed into Faith Popcorn and she never stopped hunting the cause of her spy dad's mysterious death. This is a shit hot episode. Welcome to another Outsiders episode. I am super excited about this guest. We have been planning this for such a long time. And it's no other than Faith Popcorn. She is the Nostradamus of marketing. She is the founder of Brain Reserve. She is 95% accurate in every single thing that she predicts about the future. And we have the inside scoop with me and John Flissmas. I think what she's saying is we're really excited to have you on the show. Oh, Thanks for coming. Thank you so much. <laughs> I understood her. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> You are, to us, the perfect outsider. What does the outside looking in look like for you? I'm a bit concerned. The bit is a lie. I mean, I'm very concerned because mm. I'm seeing that actually Nostradamus predicted that in this time there would be a lot of upset, especially coming from the Mideast, which we're seeing. I'm very worried actually about people's overinvestment in how they look, you know, their posts and their emojis. And it's just a very, uh, I think, inward narcissistic, you might say, time. I also think when you have these kinds of times, some of the purity does, you know, rise. We're seeing the Greta effect where, you know, she's really mad, but she's also a beautiful child. And she's almost like, almost like a messiah of the environment. You can always listen to a child because she's not so angry at a baby. Um, I call her a baby. And 
I think when you see companies trying to weave goodness into their missions, it's a really a response to their concern and their wanting to, you know, do something good for the planet, for the people. You're seeing a lot of preaching about love. Uh, Marion Williamson is, I don't know if you know her there. She's like a, one of the, she actually was running for president for a minute, but she's one of those gurus that I have been following probably since the late sixties. A million different philosophers said that if you can do one good thing for one person, I remember, I'll just go off on this for a minute. I met Colin Powell one time and I wanted him to run for president. This had to be 22 years ago. And I said, Colin, you know, what can I do to help you? I want you to run for president. And he said, you run for president. I said, I'm not going to run for president. What can I do to help you? And he said, save one child, do one thing for one child. That's when I adopted my first child. Her name is Georgica Popcorn. She's now 21. And I didn't do it out of that thing. Oh, I'm so fabulous. I'm saving one child. Actually, it turned out that she saved my life because I was one of those people that, oh my God, I I was like devil wears Prada on speed. I can't, (laughs) I can't believe that there are children in this restaurant. Ew, ew, you know? And then once I got her, I was like, come sit at my table. You know, I became a completely different person. She tapped the love in my heart. She changed my life. Then she wanted a sister. And I, like six years later, adopted Cece Popcorn, Clara Cecil. Georgica is named after my father, George. And Cece is named after my mother, Clara Cecil. And those are my two. And I'm sorry I didn't get six more. And I'm still open. And anybody that wants to adopt a baby, Ask me, I will help you. I will help you. I can put a baby in your arms. That's my side gig. It's actually my real job. This futurism stuff is my side gig. So (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Madonna did it. You can do it. Yes. Yeah. She got those beautiful twins. Anyway, that's my story. It seems like um, there's this sort of male-led extremism that's currently consuming the world uh, on both sides in fact the the rise of the right the rise of nationalism a very masculine kind of idea of control but what also seems to be happening is that people are attacking the left and accusing the left of being overboard Um, you know all kinds of caring are being criticized which also may seem like a male kind of dominated idea we we did a whole zine called the future of masculinity Men are in a great deal of trouble right now. They are picking up the debtors, the the dust, the bad dust, the garbage from the energy, from the uh, you know, from the outsourcing of bombs and bad feelings, and uh, and they are certainly quaking at the moment, as dinosaurs do before they fall. Actually, they eat the last five yeah. leaves, you know, on the trees. <laughs> they wave their, their little their tails and clunk because they've killed off the food source because they're not that smart, you know, small brains. (laughs) And men men are always looking at big feet. I look at their small brains. There are some evolved men, you know, I see that they're looking for their female side here. 25% of the men are staying home and raising the children. That's a lot. I think men are trying to find themselves like, You know, in the animal kingdom, the men are the more colorful and glorious ones. And that's because they have to work harder to attract the female. So I see this in humankind, too. Men are starting to wear makeup. They're getting dressed up. You know, they're trying to express their pretty side. And they 
when a woman's making more money than you are and actually her wiring is better for the future because she can multitask and she can take care of little ones and she can see peripherally better and a lot of her skills, you know, not not human strength, but, you know, another kind. I think men are really realizing that they're going to have to work a lot harder to attract women and to stay in line. And this is the last bastion of male dominance. It could take five years. It could take, um, you know, in, in more traditional places, it could take 10 years. But I think I see, you know, the female energy, don't talk about it as female, but female energy rising. And I'm seeing this in another way too. This idea of gender fluidity, people that you would observe as heterosexual, let's say a young millennial who is going out with the opposite sex, still wants to define themselves as gender fluid. And that's because we're understanding, you know, not conscious, but we're understanding that gender is a fluid state. And we can be one day more masculine, one day more feminine, one day in the middle. It's not he, she, it's they, them, theirs. And more of all vice presidents and presidents and chairmen and others are, instead of signing senior vice president, let's say a CEO, they're signing their pronouns. And that's right. a very interesting indicator. So right now I'm giving men a big hug because I think they're really struggling. That includes you. Thank you. <laughs> I feel it every day. <laughs> but, <laughs> a big bear hug. A few years ago, you spoke at um, the Cannes Lion Festival mm-hmm. and you spoke also about the future of masculinity. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the interesting things which actually inspired me to jump ship out of working for, for other people making their dreams come true was if we want equality, we need to start our own businesses. Right. And that's exactly what I did. And I did it like literally months after, after you said that because it just made it resonated with me. The challenge is just how do we fix this? Because I don't see a future where it's bra burning. It's just about females and equality. We have to go into this future together. This whole thing, this, this disparity thing is not working out so well because there's an imbalance at the moment. Well, you say we have to go into this future together. I'm not so sure of that because the future is showing us that, you know, marriage is down, childbirth is down. Japan's showing the lowest birth rate since 1860. Here, 21% of people are in a traditional family. I don't think we're going into this together, male and female. I think we're going into this maybe as humans. And we're seeing like with avatars and with the ability to actually print a second person or create life, you know, through printing and, you know, genetic engineering. I think it's throwing the whole idea of, you know, male and female have a child, you know, we are together marching into the future into the air because the future is not going to be like that at all. A lot of people talk about the concept of, let's say, ownership is kind of becoming less important as opposed to access. You know, with possessions, transport, uh, you know, accommodation. Would you say that it might be similar with things such as previously binary concepts like gender or race? These are things we may want to access on a fluid basis Mm -hmm. as opposed to take ownership of that permanently. Yeah, exactly. 
Do you know that there are little, and I can tell you, little animals in the world now that can flip between male and female? Wow. Mm-hmm. Cool weekend. Dragonflies. <laughs> Isn't it dragonflies? Yeah, dragonflies is one, but there are a couple. Okay. Uh, gender is going to be less important because if you don't need gender to procreate and you don't need gender for the economy of your group, what do you need gender for? You know, it's only caused trouble. And male gender is over endowed with this hormone that makes them want to like bomb things. And you, and you see this even in gender neutral homes where you have a boy and a girl, the way men, you know, boys are wired, they're banging around and they're, you know, hitting kids over the head. And nobody taught them that. I don't blame anybody yeah. for this, but I think that the hormonal set has to be changed to be, you know, more, uh, loving and better and kinder and smarter, more logical, mm. less ego-driven, that kind of thing. Technology is learning from us. There's a lot of us that still have biases and we, you know, we're not accepting, for example, um, different genders, etc. or there's these toxic cultures um, where we would prefer white men rather than a white female in a business organization. Um, and without even knowing knowing that we're doing it, there's actually studies showing that the AI that is being programmed because they learn from us are, are actually programmed to be biased. And I mean, it's actually just putting the problem on steroids because they are going to govern us and they are going to be biased against us in any way. The AI has to be scrubbed. You know, you take the toxins out of water or, you know, whatever you're eating or drinking, you have to take it out of AI. So it has to mm-hmm. be scrubbed and reprogrammed, refined if you want it to be different. Now, if you're a old kind of guy, maybe you wouldn't want your AI to be different, but I think it's going to be, it should be, uh, it should be designated by governments or societies to have clean AI. That's how I would answer that. You know, the thing about futurism is we're sitting in the middle of the present at every moment and a moment from now it's the future. Okay. Now it's the future of that last moment. You know, the way we figure out the future is look 10 years down the road, just 10, or if you want to be brave, look 20. Have something to drink. I don't know what you drink. I drink vodka or drink honey. I like honey bourbon or almost anything. And then say, (laughs) what's it going to be, except champagne, I don't like champagne. What's it going to be in the future? What's the 10 years going to be like? And you know, you're going to have your robotic companion. It's going to be like this and like this, like this, right? Okay. That vision of the future, if you're pretty smart, is going to be pretty correct. Now, much easier to look at it there, right? Now, backcast to the present and look for the signals along the road, you know, with that future view in mind. And that will give you your timeline. Oops, it's happening faster. Oops, it's not happening, you know, it's happening slower. So mm. we say we have a 95% accuracy rate. We don't only say it, we've proven it. We, but that's why we write books and so hard. Hate that. Just to benchmark. <laughs> why do you hate it? Oh, it's the worst. It's, it's sitting in a room. I mean, and I have people helping me. My staff writes with me. I mean, I'm never alone for a minute. My sister used to say, <laughs> I don't even like to take a shower by myself. I mean, like, you know. Like, <laughs> Extreme <laughs> abandonment complexes. So anyway, uh, right. but you know, 
so we do the the writing of the books and they aren't to benchmark. Like we said it here and we said it there in 1982 and 19. Okay, so you're in this. So now you're you're walking along the present and you're saying, "Whoa, that came up. Whoa, that came up. It's going to happen sooner. It's going to happen later." Mm. So when people say I have a 95% accuracy rate, they always say, "Tell us about the five percent." And I always say, "The five percent hasn't happened yet." <laughs> yes, yes. So, but and I mean that not so snotty. I'm saying I'm early. I was too early. Yeah, I'm too mm. early. And you know, some of the prediction. I'm not perfect in terms of timing, but we are pretty perfect in terms of what's going to happen. If we look at some of the things that's happening, like surveillance, capitalism, and all of these things that's happening, there's a lot of things that I, as a consumer, are not giving consent to, and it's bothering me a lot. So obviously, I'm going to vote with my wallet, but. And the end of the day is what concerns me is what if you had a 5% accuracy rate, which actually means that Faith Popcorn, who is so good at predicting things, that people are actually trying to fix the future. But I, I feel like there's not a lot of dedication to fix the future. Right. So what's your challenge? I mean, what, what do you... I'm, I'm, I'm bothered about it because like I just feel like we're going towards this world where we don't have a say. I mean, like... Um, here in South Africa, for example, there is a um, a company um, that does satellite supervision and they're busy doing a test because they don't have enough data on black faces to do um, a facial recognition. Who's given consent to that? And, you know, those, those kind of things bother me because, yes, I, I love the fact that you're 95% accurate, but shouldn't we try as corporates and as organizations to try and make the future a better place? Because some of the things are a bit scary. Yeah. If we were a better civilization, that's what we would be doing. But we're not. So we're interested in gathering wealth for the present, getting as much stuff as we can. We can't even fix the environment. Forget surveillance. I mean... Yeah. You know, the environment is, you don't have to be a future to see the ice polar caps melting, the little, you know, beautiful bears trying to find a place to stand on, the fires in Australia. If that's not a big sign, you know, mm. I was looking at this as God must be really angry. And a friend, my friend Tiana, who works with me, she's brilliant, brilliant strategist said, and shouldn't he be? Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> yes. you know, absolutely. It's like Sodom and Gomorrah. It's, it's very obvious to anybody who wants to look what's happening. And it's very obvious to anybody that wants to look as to what's not happening. So when you see uh, like companies trying to put goodness, but it's this big, you know, oh, I'm going to use recyclable packaging. Well, by the way, the last time you could have saved the planet is probably 1978. And we're going to have to do planet jumping. That's what Elon Musk is really working on. He doesn't say it like that, but he knows it's going to have to be like a jump off this planet. That's why people aren't having kids. I think that they're worried. I don't think anybody should be allowed to have children, actually. I know this is talk about rights. It's against what you're saying, but I think everybody should have to take a child that doesn't have a home or have to take at least one first before they have you know, one biological. It's like primitive. You have all these children that need homes, including the ones in cages right here on the border with Mexico. We can't get in there. Those kids are being scarred for life. They're not going to be normal when they get out. 
if they ever get out. And they will get out. But, you know, everybody should take one. Like Colin Powell said to me, take one child, just one, anyone that doesn't belong to somebody that doesn't yeah. have a parents. That's all you have to do. I hope I've inspired anybody listening. Just take one kid, any kid that doesn't have a home and you will have righted the planet because you, you know, all those kids without homes that, you know, it's creating like a society of people that are, you know, abandoned and, you know, don't have the nurturing of a parent. I know this woman and she adopted 51 children. Wow. Wow. She adopts one every six months. She built built a school. She can't bring them here because, you know, our immigration is such a pain in the butt. One woman, and anybody could do it. Ilsa is uh, my client at Investec. We work with them in South Africa now. What a wonderful company, by the way. She has a like a daycare center that she supports. A couple of hundred kids there. They have yeah. families, but she's providing them with, you know, food and some education. And I don't want to go on a, like a preachy thing here, but I think that's what has to happen. You talk a lot about the fact that the future is right in front of people. They just have to pay attention. If I really paraphrase, I mean, I don't want to reduce. All no, the you can. Go ahead. Sentences. I love it. What you really seem to um, do uh, is an astounding amount of information gathering in real time from all over the world, from lots and lots of different perspectives. You're constantly processing the present at, at, at a massive level. So there is a, a kind of an awareness that you generate that's so immediate, and it gives you these kind of hyper-empathetic sermons. And by all means, I think they should be preached because they are important. Yes. Um, so, so there's this kind of um, almost pop um, cultural idea that you can predict the trends and there's a profitability to that. But you keep telling people that they can do it too by becoming hyper-aware and perhaps empathetic. Hyper-aware and future, future-centric, meaning... We don't project from the past, as I just explained. We project from the future. It's a kind of oxymoron, but that's what we do. Yep. So just think. People are just afraid, I think, to do it. Like they can't even figure out, gee, if I keep spending money at this rate, I'm going to have no money when I'm 50, you know, or I'm going to be in such debt <laughs> and I won't be able to work. They can't even figure this out. It's not that they can't figure it out. It's that they don't want to see it. What would you rather do? Mm. Go out for, with friends have like lots of like drinks and have a wonderful time. Me too. Or do you want to really do something about thinking about what's going to happen and what you can do about it? So I'd like to give, I, I, I think I'm not giving you a big goal to say, okay, forget about this future crap. Just take one kid. And in that way yeah. you are affecting the future because you're going to take one kid into a loving home and make a beautiful human out of that kid. By the way, if you're a psycho, don't do this. Um, but <laughs> that, that, is a, that is a really important condition. That's a really important thing. You know, only That's so important. If you are crazy and listening. If you're crazy and listening, please. You don't have to do it. Don't do this. But, um, you, you know, you take one kid and you are actually making the future. That's all you have to do. Take them to school, dress them up, feed them a lot. I, my kids were hungry when I got them, you know, and I just fed them on demand. And interestingly, they never wanted that much candy. I go, just eat whatever you want. When I adopted my Gigi, I, we took her to the hotel restaurant and we, uh, she ate 
and she was nine months old, right? She must have ate mm, 30 dumplings. She was so oh, wow. hungry. And the, the, big, the next one I adopted at three, I didn't get a baby. I got this three-year-old, and she was hiding her food under the table because she thought somebody wow. would. That's, and this kid, the second one, was raised on the most wonderful rice paddy with his Chinese family that uh, were uh, um, elected by the government to be a foster family. So this kid was not raised in a horrible, you know, environment, but still that fight for food, just take a kid. Yeah. It's nothing. You won't even notice it there. What was it like for you growing up as a kid? You know, what's interesting. Nobody ever asked me that. So I grew up in Shanghai. Um, my father was in the CIA, then called the CID, uh, Criminal Investigation Division of the U.S. Army. I was brought there when I was very young, like one. Um, that's how I became a detective, by the way. You know, my father was really a detective. I was wrenched away from my Jewish grandmother and Jewish grandfather, who I adored, and brought to Shanghai. And my grandparents were Orthodox, actually. And I was put immediately into Sacred Heart Convent because it was the wow. only safe school in China, in Shanghai. And there was so much kidnapping. So I went to Sacred Heart. And then um, when the communists like started like shooting it up in the courtyards and stuff, my father got all the nuns out and we were the last, you know, nuns are usually the last ones and we left. And then I came back and my grandmother go to my mother, who's Clara, you know, as I said, what have you done to her? She's crossing herself. <laughs> She's speaking Chinese. Nobody can understand her. You know? <laughs> and they put me right into Hebrew school five days a week. Wow. That's my beginning. So in a way that made me like, talk about multicultural. I mean, like, okay. So, and also, you know, I just never quite fit in, you know, so I became this observer. So I just didn't fit. I wanted besties, but I, you know, it was very hard for me to get them for someone. Maybe because I stared at everybody when I was a kid. I just stared at everybody. <laughs> I go like, who are these people? Why aren't they Chinese? That's why I adopted the Chinese kid because I felt Chinese. My kids say I'm Chinese inside. So, and then um, I went to uh, public high, uh, you know, public grade schools, and then I went to a school called Performing Arts, which is a City school, but it's for it's what fame, you know, the movie was on, you know, it's for acting and became an actor. And my parents were both attorneys. My father was a criminal lawyer. My mother was a negligence lawyer. They went to NYU. They wanted me to go to NYU. They wanted me to go to law school. So I went to, I barely got through college. I went out with every single professor I could find. I couldn't bear to study. I hated it. And then <laughs> I, got, Amen. I got out and they said, go to law school. I said, no. And then my father was mysteriously, by the way, during this time, I think murdered. He was run off the road wow. mysteriously. What? Uh, yeah. So he worked with CIA, but also he worked, he counseled a lot of um, uh, unions. They don't play nice sometimes. We never found out anything. We couldn't find out anything. How does that make you feel? I went back, by the way, in the Freedom of Information Act, and I got an almost 100% redacted document. Wow. I'm going to do it again, because maybe the time limits have lifted. A, yeah, something weird. It just made me know that there's always a backstory. There's a story, and then there's the backstory. And, like, I'm looking at this, you know, this whole 
how wild is it that the plane that was shot down was Ukrainian? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. what the hell was that about? Somebody mad at them? I know it was an errant bomb. I think in culturalism or when I'm in, you know, as a cultural kind of detective or what, uh, you start to ask, I, 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 you know, my kids are just too comfortable. I go, you don't ask enough questions. Ask. Yeah. Mm. So like, yeah. I'm always going like, my, I drive my team crazy because they call me all options all the time. <laughs> so even when I'm on a plane, I want to know the plane I didn't take, did that get there? Or was that late? Or did that, you know, like I, all options <laughs> all the time. That's how I grew up. I grew up in the East Village. I don't know if you know about the East Village, but like a real, I was a beatnik. I had bongo drums. I walked barefoot when you, you know, in uh, in the East Village. And, uh, you know, people were homeless there too. They lived in trees, a lot of people. And they went to coffee shops and they thought good thoughts and deep thoughts. It was the era of jazz. Anyway, that's how I grew up. And then I saw Breakfast at Tiffany's, the movie. And I go, I am going to be Holly Golightly. I got big, like, you know, organza hats and coats with matching dresses. And I went into advertising. Where else could you do it, right? And I became a copywriter. <laughs> Holly Golightly and had long cigarette holders and, you know, drank drinks in stem glasses and grasshoppers and all kinds of drinks. And then I discovered when I was in advertising that it was not a clean industry. They were not telling clients the truth. And I thought, they're telling clients to solve stuff by running commercials. That's ridiculous. They're not looking at the future of their business, their industry. And I started Faith Popcorn Spring Reserve. I think I was like 26. I couldn't work for anybody anyway. You know, can you imagine hiring me? Like my boss said, what are you doing? They go, I'm writing poetry. You're what? You're supposed to be writing a, you know, a headline. Like, you know, eminently fireable. I started the company. I didn't know what the hell it was. And I just like, you know, 1990, I packaged myself. So from 76 to 1990, I was just thinking and being quite accurate, actually, about what was going to happen, brainstorming at a few clients. Mainly, I didn't have any clients. And then I wrote the popcorn report. Or I should say my friend Liz Marigold wrote it with me. Now, if you if you read that book, you're going to get the chills. I can't bear to read it. I will not read. It's just too much. Everything happened too much because everything happened that we said was going to happen. And I go, how the f did we know this? <laughs> you know. But, but do you think you're psychic and you've got your third eye open? I don't. I don't think I'm psychic. I think I'm sensitive. You know. I think I put it together in a different way. I think I hear, having had a crazy family, I didn't take you into the depths, but you know, you know, when my grandmother would get mad at my uncle, she'd just start throwing knives at him, you know, things like that. <laughs> you know, normal <laughs> American household. I think I became like I could hear footsteps. I can hear water running. I'm very sound, you know, like, uh, if you know how drivers, you go turn the radio off and they don't turn it off, they turn it down. I go, it's still on. And they go, how can you hear that? I go, please turn it off. You know, so yeah. I'm sensitive. You don't think I'm psychic. Some people do. Everybody's psychic. You know, did you ever think of your friend and your friend calls? Yes. That's psychic. Everybody has that. You just have to use it or try to use it. And the only way to use it is not to use it. Just not to, you know, just let it be and it will come up. 
So there's quite a lot of research that seems to suggest that uh, what we call intuition is just a lightning speed recognition of a pattern before other people recognize that it's lightning fast. In some people who are um, either tuned in or, um, as you say, open to being tuned in. It's a really interesting thing because you spoke about your childhood and um, you'd made the joke earlier about, you know, not showering alone because of abandonment issues. And then you nailed, you know, being wrenched from your grandparents. Right. Quite interesting because our kind of philosophy between Carmen and I is that everybody has an inner outsider. And, and some people get crushed, you know, by that. And other people somehow optimize, let's call them the negative drivers, into something really amazing. Um, and it just seems like you've really done that on a massive scale. I made a living out of it. I started <laughs> in the industry. They stopped calling yeah. it fluffy. People kind of, most people stopped calling me fluffy. They thought I was fluffy. I had to be right for 45 years for them to stop. You know, even these South Africans, I, I was in South Africa maybe 30 years ago. I gave a talk with 25 years ago and I was at a dinner with one of the people in the audience and he said, oh, I thought that it was such fluff. Not true. And there I was sitting with him, you know, and he goes, I guess I was wrong. Oh. You could have made a lot more money if you were listening. I mean, we created the first home computer with IBM, the PS1, by projecting that people would start to work at home because they would not want to go out because, for a bunch of reasons. And there was nothing wow. for them to work on at home. Duh. You know, once you figure it out, <laughs> you go like, duh. And then they go, like, we, yeah. we work with Home Depot. We go, hey, millennials aren't going to want to buy houses. They don't want to get crushed under a mortgage. They want to travel. They want to do gig work. They don't want to. And he goes, oh, no, we're the Home Depot. They'll always buy homes when they get older. I go, no, they won't. No, they won't. So it's very hard. You know, we said create a rental strategy. You know, people are going to be living in pods. These pods are going to be traveling. Right now, people are looking at smaller spaces, 250 square feet, you know, tiny spaces hooked up to central supply, like, you know, water and electricity. Home delivery is about hooking up to central supply. People laugh, popcorn report. We said everybody would buy everything online. Don't worry about the supermarkets and the department stores because, and they let, literally at P&G laughed out loud. Really? And then I felt yeah. bad. I go, well, maybe they're right. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. You can't prove the future. Yeah. I'm, I come from lawyers, so I can build a very good circumstantial case. But I can't mm. prove it until there's time yeah. travel, which I think there will mm. be. And then I maybe I could prove it. I could jump ahead and jump back because I see it's going to, you know. Whatever, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you but you didn't give up, and, and that's the incredible thing is you showed resilience because we were wondering what it must be like to be a woman in corporate America, way ahead of the curve, telling top-heavy monolithic structures of men that they are wrong, or that things will change. You're telling them their fortune. Yeah, that cannot have been easy, and you kept at it. And and how did you keep going? I know this is going to sound flip. But I'm a Taurus, so that's a me too. Yay, <laughs> you too. Hey. <laughs> yeah. no, no, I'm into astrology, so that's oh, cool. What are you? I'm a Cancerian. What date are you, Taurus? The third of May. So I'm the eleventh. I think where the real Taurus oh. is. I don't like the end of April ones or the ones on the touch with <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm with you on that. Right? Everything you said except the psycho and the baby. I'm yeah, so with right. you. It's a you know, and I plow through walls and it's really an obsession. I, It's not like I believed in myself. Believe me. I have more self-doubt than okay. I think anybody on the planet. But I just couldn't help it. I could not stop it. And as I said, I'm unemployable. So I could work at McDonald's or I could be a futurist. So I thought, I'll be a futurist, you know, and really. Thank God. I don't know. I hope I'm going to help people more. These guys, I'll tell you something. It's lucky I was a woman because they're much better taking advice from a female. They don't have that testosterone, you know, thing you know, the oppositional instinct to come up to, you know, hit me. I think that they were more polite to me because I was a female. I guess I think that when I left the room, probably dismissed me. They didn't let me make as much money as the men in their lives, the BCGs, the mm. McKinsey's, the Accenture's. It was very hard for them to say, a few of them say, I'm going to give her a million dollars here and a million dollars there, and I needed it. Because how can I build a company? You might look at my company as just a force. I need enough money to keep the company going. So I take the assignments to apply the future. It's kind of my test market for like what we're thinking ahead. It's not Mm -hmm. really a company as somebody would look at a company. It doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, we continue to try to help and lift people into their best futures. And that's what we do every minute, every day. My grandparents worked every day. My father definitely worked every day. My mother was crazy every day. So we're like, you know, <laughs> 24-7. But not in a bad way. I don't know the difference between working and playing. That's amazing. We have a lot of individuals that claim to be futurists. They become famous. And, and uh, the trend seems to be that they basically borrow from largely from Singularity University presentations oh, yeah, yeah. that are really dated. Yeah, I I love singularity. The idea that human and machine are going to cross or have crossed. Because if you have a robotic knee or elbow, you're already part robot, right? And they're making echoskeletons that are on the outside to help people in factories lift heavier things. Mm. But soon those are going to be on the inside and smaller. I love what he's done, Ray Kurzweil. You know, I, I thought that it was a sincere goal that he's starting university and he was really going to teach it. You know, we're an open source. If they want to look at our website, take our trends, take the 17 trends, lay them over any business problem. So you'll go cocooning. Is this something that's at home? Is it safe? Is it this atmosphere? Is it, you know, ecological pleasure revenge? Does it make you happy? If you even can score like seven or eight out of the 17, you will come up with a better positioning. Anybody can do that and they should do that and they can have our trends. Anybody can call experts, talent bank, you know, and ask them questions like you're doing here and interview them. Anybody can use this methodology. You know, if we're up to, I'd love not to take any clients and just be a futurist. But the clients prove that in real time, we're able to use the work to make a better economy for that particular company. I have another podcast called The Carmen Murray Show, and we interviewed futurist Bronwyn Williams. And she says there should be a futurist on every executive board. She's so right. There should be a futurist and there should be a child on every board. Uh, 
Of course. That is the, that is one of the best things I've heard <laughs> ever. Such Keep a, you I think that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> because it's such so a good honest, idea. Yeah. Not corrupted. Yeah. Yeah. So go like, you know, we were working with this company yesterday and it, they're looking to the Hispanic market. So right now Hispanic market's 28% is going to go up to 40, 50, 60, right? So they're going like, okay, but are, are, is the real market going to like sympathize with a Hispanic strategy? I go, the real market's going to be Hispanic. You need to be saying, will the Hispanic market, you know, pick up from the Caucasian market? It is amazing. And people are so racist without even knowing it. They're just racist. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they're making a club out of the Hispanics, this company. And they have 25% of their people are Hispanic, right? I go, well, get this club together and let's hear what they think. And I, where are they? Oh, well, they're in the factories. I said, and? <laughs> I go, well, they're in the factory. Yeah. I go, get them together. Let's talk to them. They want ambassadors of the brand, you know? So yeah, some yeah. of this stuff is really Such. silly. It's simple. They go, you know, we want our people to be ambassadors of the brand. We hear our people say when they go into a bar and they talk about where they work and somebody says, what's the mission of the company or how they help? I can't answer that. Well, you want to answer that? Let's like sit down and talk to these people in the factories. They're the ones that's making this stuff. Yeah. Right? right? It's a, a similar comment made by Marilyn Manson in Bowling for Columbine when he was asked, because he was blamed, his lyrics were blamed for um, that shooting by some, uh, you know, interest groups. They asked him, if you could meet those boys and talk to them before the shooting, what would you say? And what his answer was, was I wouldn't say a word, I would listen to them. Nobody listened to these children. Right. First of all, I've never heard Marilyn Manson speak, so that was an amazing, um, uh, you know, comment. I would imagine that that's kind of in line with what you, the message that you spread is, talk to the people who are, you know, involved. Don't put words in their mouth. Don't make people into a fetish, you know. Yeah, that's good. Just talk yeah. to people. Yeah, exactly. He's right. Nobody, nobody listens to anybody, and nobody thinks they have anything to learn. And the other thing I would give them is some nice drugs. I mean. They must be, you know, mental health. I mean, uh, you'll hear a mm. podcast. Oh, no, it was an interview with Lady Gaga recently with Oprah about her instability. Almost every artist or anybody that is sensitive is not stable the way, you know. And there's some nice, like, drugs to help you, like, you know, level out a little bit or not be so upset or whatever. I'm sure these kids also had mental health issues. So the other thing is a flight from empathy. Who knows what their parents did to them? I made to blame everything on parents. Some wonderful parents produce like monsters, you know, yeah. something is there. So anyway. If you don't take up um, Colin Powell on the offer of running for president, you might want to come and be our president. We'd, <laughs> we'd love to have you. <laughs> I'd love, to, like help. That. I'd love to help. You know, I see these people walking along the road with on flip-flops, a lot of men, you know, just like, mm. and then we're invited to mansions for dinner. It's the same old shit. I mean, I'm a lefty. You know, I was born in the East Village. Mm -hmm. Jews are always lefties, you know, where. You produce some magnificent lefties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what, what can I say? I think you two are just wonderful. Keep doing your great work, please. Let me know how I can lift you, help you. 
advise you or talk to you. And um, I, I'm sending you many, a lot of gratitude for inviting me to express myself. I feel a whole lot better. Maybe I don't have to go to my shrink on Monday. <laughs> you don't need one. But listen, you're not off the hook yet. Okay. We're going to play a game now. Ooh. So I'm going to ask you 10 questions, but you have to answer them as quickly as possible. On your marks, get set, go. If you could make a rule for a day and everyone had to follow it, what would it be? Get a kid. If you had the power to shrink anything and take it with you, what, what would you do with it? Put it in my pocket. What kind of cult would you start? Love cult. Would you rather always say everything on your mind or never speak again? Everything on my mind. If you could bring back something from the past into the future, what would it be? My father. If you could have an unlimited storage of one thing, what would it be? Intelligence. After you survive the apocalypse, what will your job be? Figure out how to create a society. Would you rather be a hobbit or an elf for 24 hours? Elf. They say Nostradamus drank potions to hallucinate to see the future. What is your potion? A uh, honey bourbon or, a, you know, very cool vodka martini dirty with a, a olive. Okay, and last one. What would a world populated by clones by you look like? I would want to leave that world too intense. <laughs> no. Good answer. You've made my, my decade. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. See you in the future. Bye. See you in the future. See you in the future. Bye. Bye. You've got an incredible hero. I know, isn't she? What an amazing, um, what an amazing woman. So, what? How was that story though? Like, um, her her past. I mean, like, yeah. And I, I was. I, I'm actually quite profoundly affected by Faith Popcorn. I am too. But what an incredibly smart and philosophical. I just feel like so far our guests have been philosophically. Like they have philosophical sophistication. Absolutely. And, you know, the, I think the important thing here, John, is like it's so important for us. You know, we are misfits. We know we are. Sure. And it's so nice to see how misfits are changing the world. I think only misfits change the world. Not conforming. Yeah. And, you know, you know that whole Apple thing. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the troublemakers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, as Faith said, like that whole thing about how the child in the boardroom, you know, Maybe that's a brilliant idea because you're yeah. uncorrupted. I actually think we might introduce that concept at Henley in some of the classes. Is Do you have a child who you can bounce stuff off? Like Greta, look at her. Yeah. She's the messiah of the environment. I think if you're going to have like a chief financial officer and you're going to have a chief you know, marketing officer, why don't you have a chief child officer? Someone who oh, brings, brings um, you know, a young perspective to the board. I love it. Well, you know, mm. since she's smart, she is incredible. But anyway, mm, just likable, man. She's human and she's humble, mm. and Very I think cool. that's what that's what misfits are all about. And just in case you don't know, this is me being quite gushy. Like I know I, this is the nicest I've happen. ever been about anyone. Yeah, and you ha you weren't grumpy. Well, it's hard to be grumpy with popcorn. I know. You know? But I mean, it's just a normal thing. Like, do you know it's my? It's like one of my favorite foods on earth. But but how cool and and um, genuinely someone who's actually what she re for me what f faith is is genuinely present. Mm. That's yeah. what makes her a real futurist. Yeah. Because I mean, people talk about change all the time. Okay, but if that's true, why is she still accurate? Exactly. I think it's because she's still in. She's still so fully invested in the present. Yeah. Which we don't do. Yeah. 
the Disruptive Diaries. John and Carmen challenge each other and the listener by providing a life-based challenge that involves disrupting previous behavior and learning new things. Neuroscientific research, that's brain research, has shown that not only does doing new things open new neural pathways, but also that it contributes to the long-term happiness of human beings. There are some rules to this diary, however. No is not an option. Number two, you have to give whatever the challenge is a good go. No slacking off. And number three, you can always ask for help from the person who set the challenge. Number four, if the challenge is impossible for you, as long as you're honest about the outcome, failing is absolutely fine. No judgments here. Previously, you can remember you you challenged me to become vegan for I seven did. days. I followed the process. You did a great job. But now, let me tell you, I have continued. What do you? What? Are you still a vegan? Yeah. Oh my um, gosh. I did take a, a little break in I between. Said, gosh. I mean, you, can you see how shocked I am? That is the mildest <laughs> word. That's the mildest word I've ever used. So, 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 but now listen, you were really struggling at one point. Yeah. I remember you, it, I mean, I mean, let's talk, can we talk about yeah, this? Yeah, let's go you, for you it. You became quite emotional. I mean, it wasn't just a food thing. It, it released a whole lot of other stuff for you mm. and you stuck with it. I mean, you, you really did. I thought you were going to cave. Yeah, no, I also thought I was going to cave. I thought uh, on that seventh day, okay, it's like on the seventh day, God created. A lot wine. was going on on day seven. <laughs> oh, did he? Yeah. At your house. <laughs> Lots of wine. That's, yeah, anyway. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to have KFC. Sorry, it's my thing. Okay, well, um, you dived out of it. Okay, I dived out of it. But then I decided, you know what? I'm feeling bad again. So I went back into the whole vegan thing. So okay. I'm drinking as, as I'm sitting here. Kombucha, I hope I'm saying it right. You are. Anyway, um, and uh, yeah, I've been on the journey again and I'm loving it. So what the reason I'm telling you that is it turns out that this disruption diary mm. could change patterns. Very so, good. So as you know, Faith, popcorn. So hang on, why do I get the feeling you are talking me into like a cliff edge here? I feel like, I feel like, like, which leads me to, it sounds a little bit like the advocate. Okay, let's let's see where this goes. Let me put it to you. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to put it to you. Okay. Okay, so what I'm going to tell you is Faith Popcorn had a significant impact on my life in terms of developing this curiosity for marketing. And right. which led me into digital. And we were talking about the future and the future is all about digital. Yeah. Now, since you and I have been on this journey, yeah, I, I have to comment. You are not good on digital, hey? What, um, what do you mean? I mean, I do Instagram. I do LinkedIn. I do Oh, yeah, you, do, the, you do beautiful videos and oh, you're great at that. But your engagement needs some work. Um, okay. What do you mean? Like, okay. So, okay, so, so I make so, the stuff and I put it online. You put it online, but like, I know I mean, this sounds like, like childlike, but I'm, I mean, so we are building the outsiders together. Yes. And then you would share with the world something about the outsiders and you mentioned my name, but you yeah. don't tag me. And then I don't see what you're saying. And then 10 days later, I only see your post. And if I reacted when it was relevant, it could have possibly reached more people. Oh, Okay. Um, I, I assume 
if I post something about you that you just know. What, do you just think <laughs> I'm just sitting there like, oh, what's John saying? Oh, what's John saying? Oh, oh, oh John. No, 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 but hang on. So does nothing tell you when you are mentioned uh, in, unless I specifically, I feel like I'm pretending like I'm explaining this, but I genuinely don't know this. <laughs> Like, 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 you know, the thing where, no, John, tell me why I'm not doing that. Um, so I assume if, so you, have you watched Little Britain? Yes. The computer says no. Oh, right. Okay. So what are you saying that I have to, <laughs> is this much, are you challenging me now? I want, I want to, okay. So I did a great job. At, you, did, you No, but you, no, can, I, I, I'm not big on compliments. You actually did a very, very good job because number one, you you stuck with it. Number two, you kind of kept letting me know how it was going. Correct. So I got more out of it by understanding what you were going through. I didn't judge what you were doing. I just let you get on with it. 100%. Because I was observing. Yeah. Okay. So you did a great job. And um, now what? Okay. Now. Okay. So I I'm like watching you do it. I'm like, a, I'm a challenge voyeur. I don't know if I'm a challenge... Do I? I don't know what the word is. So you're going to have to do exactly what I did. Okay. You have to report in daily, video okay. yourself. You have to send me voice messages and okay. send videos so that I can know what you're up to. Okay. You need to set up your digital presence and digital assets in a proper way and engage in a way that you can actually Get your brand out there because so many people love what you're doing, like with your videos, and then you have hundreds of people commenting, and then you don't say anything to them. So what? I, um, Why not? Well, because I don't like answering. I don't. I don't always like defending my work or. But it's compliments. Get, oh, are they? It's like you don't read and and. So what must I say? So like, if someone goes like, um, "Oh, I love your video." Okay, thanks. I mean, I don't know what to say. Like, do, do am I coming over to your Ask house and make you a meal? Kitson, will you just listen to Faith? Faith was talking about the factory, like asking people questions. That's what you have to do. You have to ask people questions. Get to know your audience. Get to know the people that follows you. Okay, so so are you saying that it's not the content? It's so I must do the content, which gets people to say stuff. But then I must. What must I ask them things? Yes, you have to engage with like them. What do you the like about this video? Quality engagement, quality conversations. I mean, that is your soundboard right there. And I mean, you could learn so much from your audiences and how you can serve them better. And maybe even how we can serve our audience better because you, you're carrying all the weight of, of, of um, you know, your social media presence. You've got a great audience. You just don't engage them. Oh, you know that I don't even do – like I don't – I'm not a – when I do a show in front of thousands of – I used to, in front of a big audience, when I leave, I don't come back and do that bow thing. You know that thing where, where people like – Oh, the, the, what is it called? Encore. Yeah. Well, yeah, like a bow or a – I don't do that. I just don't – I've never been that guy. When I'm finished talking, I'm going home. Like I'd, I don't know how to do that. Please clap more. I mean, it's a, to me, that's what it's like. I'm trying to explain why I don't I, I get comment. What, I on. get what you're saying, but you know what? We are going into a future where you have to be digital savvy. And knowing is doing. Like I had the vegan challenge, I had to yeah. learn things. And if I look at your public figure on, on Facebook, okay. um, are you looking at your analytics? Do you have any idea... How uh, many likes I have is my no, analytics. Oh, no, likes is vanity <laughs> metrics. How I'm many asking... Views? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. Uh, how, where do I? So, okay. 
so like you called me and texted me and stuff when you weren't sure if um, wine was vegan like that. Correct. Or, you know, exactly. Exactly. You know, <laughs> is a chicken wing vegan? No. Um, uh, I, it's not chicken. It is chicken stock. <laughs> Sorry, chicken stock. <laughs> it's artificial. Is chicken stock vegan? No. Unless it's an artificial chicken. Um. Um. So, so no, no. I mean, I, I laugh at that, right? But I reckon I'll probably ask you questions that you'll find as funny. So, if I'm allowed to ask you, like, you, I am 100% there for you, okay. and we are going to set up all your digital assets, and I'm going to help you. I'm there to support you, but you have to do the research and how to build better community, better engagement with your audiences because they are so hungry to hear from you, but you are not engaging them, and I think it's a sin. Okay, I'm only accepting this because I'm. It, it, I can feel it's already irritating me, and I haven't started yet. So it's clearly, <laughs> it's clearly important. Okay, I'll commit. I'm doing it. I promise you, it's going to be better for the long run for you. Thank I you. promise you. I, pr- I, I appreciate. It. I'm angry. I'm a little bit angry, and I'm, I'm getting grumpy. As you said, I wasn't grumpy. I'm getting grumpy. Okay, Shrek. But that's a sign that that's good. So I'll do it because I wouldn't normally. I would never normally do this. It's okay. It's not that bad. I'll be there for you. Thank you. I'll be These in touch. These five words, I swear to you. <laughs> okay, now I was angry. I'm a little bit nauseous. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm only joking. You know okay. what? Because I want to be nice, because I know Faith might be listening to this, I'm just going to like sign out now. Okay. Well, thank you. That was a really cool um, interview. I'm looking forward to hearing your disruption, Diary. Your eyes are flicking. Okay. <laughs> Your left eye is buffering. <laughs> Bye-bye now. Bye now. You've been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.